the Rethinking Leadership podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature, and in this podcast, I interview leaders on their experiences of leading change, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. I'm interested in exploring how we lead disruptive change in a way that has a positive benefit for employees, business, and society. In other words, how do we be more human and relational in our leadership and make a difference? This week's guest has some great tips on leading teams in a more collaborative and relational way. More on that in a moment, but if you'd like more information on leading teams through fast-paced change, you can download a report from my website at www.jude.team. Rachel Fletcher is the CEO of Ofwat, the water regulator for England and Wales. Rachel shares the challenges for the water industry of the increased demand for water and the expectations on the environment. She talks about collaboration with different companies, as well as local environmental groups, communities and end users to solve problems. Partnerships and collaboration are the key to everyone being part of the solution, a message that is very relevant to other businesses and industries too. Have a listen. Hi Rachel, thanks for joining me today. It's a real pleasure, Jude. Can you tell us who you are and what you do, please? Yes, I am Rachel Fletcher. I am the chief exec of Ofwat, the water regulator for England and Wales. So it's our responsibility to make sure that the water companies that serve you uh, give you a good service and a decent price and that they properly look after uh, the assets um, that provide water and waste services, but also the environment as well um, that we draw on for our water and waste services. And what are some of the key challenges that you face in that? Well, um, well, lots of ch- lots of challenges. Um, I mean, we've got some you know day to day performance uh, performance issues where where uh, customers are let down or in some cases the environment is harmed by companies' behaviours. Uh, so we're on a constant um, mission to um, up performance. Uh, so keeping on top of the companies, how they're performing, holding them to account where uh, they don't hit the mark um, is one of our challenges. But, but most of what, if you like, is really occupying us is the longer term. So we are growing as a population. Our, our demand for water, therefore, is increasing. Um, And actually what people expect in terms of uh, how the environment is looked after um, and indeed um, our ambitions as a country around carbon emissions, all of those present really big challenges for the the companies that we regulate. So one of our biggest uh, challenges really is about how how do we get this industry to shape up for the future so that it's providing affordable, uh, reliable services for a growing population, but also is is fully environmentally sustainable too. And I'm struck by um, one of the things you said around our our requirement for water is growing. And how how do you handle that? (laughs) Yeah, that's a a finite resource. Well, that's interesting because you have, I think you've kind of put your finger on perhaps one of the most difficult areas, actually. So, so I mean, just by way of background, Britain has got one of the highest uh, per capita consumptions of water in, um, in, in the Western world. 
Um, and, and as I said, our population, our population is growing. Now, actually, I mean, if you've got if you've got pipes that need fixing, I mean, we've got engineers who know how to fix pipes or to, to make a treatment work uh, more uh, more effective. Um, but actually, how how do we change people's behaviours? How do we change people's mindsets around water? Is is a much more complicated issue that, frankly, nobody has quite got the solution to. Uh, so I think if you were to ask anybody on your local high street what they thought about water, they would probably, especially now in December, they'd say, well, we're all we're a rainy island. Um, you know, it's very boggy. We've got plenty of the stuff. You know, surely it doesn't matter how much water I use. But in fact, the, the reality is that when we're taking water out of the environment, we're ruining natural habitats. We've got some very precious habitats, particularly our chalk streams in Britain, which are unique, actually, um, uh, globally, which are being damaged by the amount of water that we're taking out. Um, and of course, every time we take uh, water out and treat it for our um, consumption, um, we are using a huge amount of energy to produce and to transport that water. And quite a lot of it, actually, instead of us drinking it, it ends up on, if, if you're anything like me, it ends up on the garden or, or it ends up in, in washing cars. So we've got a, you know, there's a real sort of mindset and education piece actually, which um, needs, to be, needs to be plugged mm. alongside perhaps giving people some of the tools they need, uh, more efficient uh, white goods, for example, water efficient white goods, um, or um, better information about how much water they're using um, to actually shift that behavior. But it's not going to happen overnight and it's much harder than fixing a pipe. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you think, well, as long as all the pipes are, are fine and not leaking, then everything should be fine. So what I'm hearing from that is that it's consumer use that is rising. Is that more so than industry use? No, I mean, I think that, I think what's happening is that uh, consume, we're getting more populous as a country. So we've already got quite high consumption per person, but of course we are we are growing as a country. And actually, the growth, ironically, is happening in some of the bits of the country that are the driest. So the southeast actually um, is. Um, anticipated to have a water deficit in, into the future uh, if we don't do anything about it. Um, our industrial and agricultural use are also those are those are big drains um, as well on on uh, the natural environment. Um, but but actually, you know, as you know, heavy industry in Britain um, is has has reduced um, over the over the recent period. Um, so it's it's mainly agriculture and domestic consumption that is that is um, uh, the focus area. Interesting. So so what I'm hearing then from that is you're you're not just in the business of water, but you're in the business of behavioural change, aren't you? Yeah, and and uh, absolutely, and not just behavioural change in um, if you like water customers, but. I mean, Offwatt's got a, a very interesting role. I quite often talk about us as being a cog, a very small cog 
in a complicated machine. But our role is to work with others to change the company's behaviours and to, uh, through the companies, um, ideally to be changing customer behaviour as well. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the, the complicated machinery is that Ofwat is not the only regulator in this space that we've got, you'll be assured, reassured to know, actually, we've got a very specialist drinking water regulator that makes sure that the water coming out of your taps is, is safe to drink. Um, and we've got the Environment Agency that plays a very strong role as well in making sure that, uh, that the companies um, meet environmental standards, um, not just in abstracting water, but also in the uh, quality of waste that is discharged, treated waste that's discharged back into the environment. So it's a complicated landscape yeah. here. Um, it involves us interacting. And so the thing I love about the job, it involves us interacting with these other policy makers and regulators, with the companies themselves, but always having an eye to the end customer, um, you know, the service that they're getting, but also, yeah, are they being helped to change their behaviours and to become part of the solution? Interestingly, and 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 over the over the last eight nine months, when we've been in in lockdown um, here in the UK, are you finding there has been an increase in consumption? Yeah. So what's happened, of course, is that we've all been at home, haven't we? Not in our not in our workplaces. Um, so what we've we've had a an uptick in home domestic consumption and a reduction in consumption uh, from um, offices and businesses. Um, those two largely have balanced each other out. But of course, the pipes and the treatment works that serve our houses are not always the same ones that serve um, the, the offices and the business community. So we've actually had parts of the country where the system has been really creaking at the seams, serving um, the growing needs of, of uh, people at home. Um, and that actually, unfortunately, over the summer led to um, a small number of customers actually being off supply for quite a long time during a very, very hot uh, period. So just kind of goes to show um, how, although, if you like, from an environmental point of view, that offset um, is helpful uh, from a system point of view, it, it, it didn't work out that way. Yeah, and again, it's it's something that surprises me, but I don't know why it should really, because it's one of those things you just assume you turn on a tap and it and it works, isn't it? And I think that's that's the thing is that we, it's something that we just we really do take for granted. Yeah. Um, yeah. The generations we've been able to turn on a tap, have free, have, have clean drinking water, and and be able to work the washing machine, and and so on. In yeah. terms of in terms of leading your organisation and the and the interaction that you're having with your various with various other policy makers and and industry bodies, what are some of the skills that you're seeing that are needed going forward? Well, I think 
perhaps the the most important skill actually is about um, collaborating. Um, you know, I think maybe from the the story I've just told about the you know the cog and the machine and the interactions that we have. You know, I I think there's there's a real uh, limit, real ceiling on what we can achieve as a regulator if we only uh, if we if if we only work alone. Mm. Um, and the power that comes through collaborating with others and including the industry in many occasions is is really really significant. So that that sort of collaborative muscle, that ability to uh, find common ground, agree common objectives, and uh, maybe um, compromise on, on some of the things that you might have um, initially thought were really important to you as an individual or as an organization. That all is, is a, a really, really important skill set. And it's not just an important skill set for us in Offwatch, actually. It's a really important skill set for leaders in the water industry, those running the companies, because, because actually increasingly, as we think about the environment, um, you know, we realize, for example, that you know, the best way to improve a river might actually be for the water company to work with the local farmers to reduce the amount of um, fertilizer runoff into the river. Or it might be that they can get that river cleaned up by working with a, a local um, environmental group who've got volunteers who will go in and take invasive species out, for example. Um, and so the kind of the real power that the water industry can, the water companies can have if, if they form local partnerships is, is really massive. And this isn't just about making sure that the water is still there in the river or making sure that it's um, easier to treat for us to drink. This is also about creating, um, you know, really lovely, lovely places to take your dog for a walk on, for example, and improving local well-being um, and providing a community benefit that way. So one of the one of the pieces of our vision as a regulator actually is to really harness the um, the community value that water companies can bring uh, by uh, forming those relationships and those collaborations um, and you know making sure that actually ultimately we're not just getting a good service at a good price um, but that there's, we're creating something much more rich, much richer and much more diverse um, for the area that each water company serves. And I think what, you know, where, that, where that takes me is, because when I think of a regulatory body, I tend to think of a regulatory body as somebody, and, and forgive me for my crude way of putting this, but, but I, I think of a regulatory body as, as a, a body that sets aside the ground rules of this is what you must do, tick, 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 and, and then checks that industry is doing those things, tick, tick, tick. And just making sure that people are getting value for money and, and at a decent price point and, and not being ripped off. What I'm hearing is that, and maybe it was a bit more like that in the past, but what I'm hearing now is the real value 
is in about looking at water and the environment and how we live and work in a systemic way so that we can actually um, tap into some of those grassroots because as you say some of those maybe even charitable bodies or those envi local environmental groups will have real passion for their local river yeah. and yeah. if you can engage those different groups then actually you can make it be everybody's problem and get everybody to start thinking about what they do and how they do it yeah. so they don't just you know stick the dirty water at the bottom of the garden that might run into the local stream and you know because it then it becomes everybody's problem doesn't it and, th and that's also how you change behaviors as you say you're absolutely right i mean i i often say that um i mean yes you're, you're absolutely right jude i mean we as a regulator we've got powers to set rules and we've got powers to take action if those rules and standards are broken um but um uh, you know, I say we kind of achieve about 20% of the benefits we bring as a regulator through those rules and through and through enforcing them. Um, we achieve 80% through, um, frankly, through leadership, through, through showing a direction, setting an ambition and working with others uh, to achieve that. And actually, I mean, the, the, the real uh, pitfall from a narrow regulatory approach is, is the seed that you plant in the minds of the water company itself. So if we were a straight up and down narrow regulator saying these are the rules, stick to them, and if you break them, um, we'll be after you. Um, the mindset you set in the company is, um, we don't need to think about what the right thing is to do as a company. We just need to follow the rules that Offwat set. And actually, that, that mindset is, is the one I'm trying to break. I'm trying to say, look, guys, you, you know, you're the ones with these assets. You're the ones with the, the footprint around a set of communities. You know your customers. You build them. You interact with them. You know the local authorities. You know the local charities. Actually, you, more than anyone, is best placed to know what the right thing is to do in your area. So let's have a conversation about what that right thing is. Let's, let's make sure we are rewarding and encouraging you to do that right thing, uh, rather than just thinking, how do we keep the regulator off our back? So that's, that's quite a big mindset shift. I think we've got some leaders in the water industry that have really embraced that approach. And we're seeing some fantastic things coming through in terms of um, you know, really ambitious programs, whether that's looking at uh, providing job opportunities for people from disadvantaged communities or finding really exciting ways of improving the, the, um, the, the local um, ecosystems um, but it's it's quite a hard thing to break this idea of well there's the rule and I'll just I'll just stick to it or that's the standard I won't go above it and as, and as long as I'm hitting that standard everything's all right even if that standard and frankly as we're seeing on the state of our rivers just isn't it isn't what what people what the local communities really want they're they're calling out for better quality rivers, rivers that they could swim in safely at least some of the time.
And it's interesting because what, what that sparks for me as well is the parallel of, uh, of, of leadership in a more generic sense in that we've all, most, most people will have experienced command and control style of leadership where you're told, in fact, we've, we've, we've often experienced it you know, as children, haven't we, of you must go to school and you must do this and you must do that. And, you know, all the rules and regulations we're given as children that we don't respect and that actually, or that we do through fear, but actually if you include people in the conversation, which is, of course, the collaborative approach, then people do feel more engaged and do and do feel like they're, they have a say in how things are done and therefore feel much more committed to seeing it through how do you how do you encourage other industries to do that well um well i think i think the i think it is down to the conversations we have and the way we the relationships that we build with with the with the companies that we're regulating and and you know, I spent quite a long time when I joined off what really, um, you know, with with groupings of the chief execs across the industry saying, come on, let's agree what we all want here. Let's agree what, the, you know, what a bright new future looks like for this industry. And actually, I joined at a time when calls for the renationalization of these companies were really quite loud. So there was, there was quite a lot of interest in that. Yeah, let's let's sort of refresh uh, and, and reinvigorate what we're all really here for, what it is that gets us up uh, every morning. But you're, you're right as well to draw the parallels with leadership within an organisation, Jude. And I'm, I'm you know, the, in the way that we are trying to um, um, transform the culture in Offwat, there are real parallels as well with, you know, putting a massive focus on empowering individuals to do the right thing in the context of understanding the goals mm. uh, that we're trying to achieve and where they fit in to achieving those goals. So that sort of classic freedoms within a framework idea is something that we are, we are uh, trying to embed within Offwatt and saying, look, each, you know, much as my, my story about each water company being in the best place, a much better place than off what to know what their local communities, their local environment really needs, their local system, water system needs. Um, it's the same with every person within off what every every uh, person in a team um, in off what is in a is, is closer to the action is more aware of the issues, the, the real life issues, certainly than I am as chief exec. And so what, what we, we need to be doing is empowering those teams and those individuals to, to find the, the best solutions rather than to wait to be told what the right answer is. And of course, of course, that still leaves lots of space for people to come and say, well, can, can we have a conversation about this? Could I use you as a sounding board? Um, and typically as senior leaders you've got more experience to draw on and and can do that usefully uh, but that culture shift that parallel culture shift within off what is as important to me as as the kind of culture shift and mindset shift 
uh, were trying to encourage in, in uh, the water companies themselves. And what and what are what are some of the challenges that you face with that? Obviously, without shaming anybody, because <laughs> we're, well, not, I think we're that, not here to do I, that. But but understanding that it's not it's not always that easy to go from that I do what I'm told to do to now I've got freedom within a framework that that creates a level of uncertainty and anxiety for people as well. Yeah, there's a, we've had some successes that I'm happy I'm happy to talk about, but but and and for some people, of course, this comes really naturally. You probably, you probably know some people are kind of like finally, you know, the shackles are off and 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 away they go. I think I think some of the you know what it really does is it shines a spotlight on what is that framework, what is it that you're trying to achieve here. And I mean, we spend a lot of time um, developing our new strategy. That's all written out. I think it's 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 user friendly. It's accessible. But the um, the difficulties come one layer down. You know, below what is in the, what's in the well the well considered uh, document. And I think you know, it's a year, just over a year since that strategy was was published. And one of the things that really strikes me is just how we still haven't yet quite embedded the strategy. We haven't quite got to the place where there's um, sufficient depth um, around a common view of what we really mean. So, for example, the strategy um, places, you will be surprised to hear, a big emphasis on the environment and um in the way actually that that you know is definitely a shift for off what and and recognizes you know if we don't look after the environment um we're doing customers the biggest disservice we could do actually so it's placing much greater prominence on that but but actually as a regulator we um we never have we never have the benefit of just aiming for one target. This is uh, this is <laughs> the reality of our life is is actually we're aiming for three or four targets. As I said at the outset, you know we want yes we want a sustainable water industry, but water's also got to be affordable. It's still got to be safe to drink when it comes out the tap, and it still needs to come out the tap when you turn the tap. And so helping um, everybody build an understanding of, well, if I'm in the environment team, how do I navigate around these other objectives? How do I properly um, get, the, get, get the, the sort of rich and optimal mix of these? That is, that is not a straightforward um, thing to do. And so we're having to spend quite a lot of time grappling with these issues and not in a not in an overly prescriptive dictatorial way, but giving people the tools and helping them find ways through to think about this these sort of multiple objective um, approach that, that we have as a regulator. So that is that is definitely one one big challenge um, that that we have. Um, and I think that is that is is that. Again, it's about the challenge of collaboration, isn't it? Because when whenever you collaborate, the, the intention is to come up with something greater than you can come up with individually. But yeah, also the challenge of that is 
that everybody has a different opinion and a different idea and and competing priorities you know if you want to just make it affordable then you would probably ditch the environment yeah and and so actually holding those two they're they're polarized tensions at, at times and it's it's how do we get teams to have the it's almost humility isn't it to be able to relinquish their hold on their own personal view of i'm in the team that is interested in affordability and and i can see there's a bigger picture here that goes beyond me that requires me to just relinquish a little bit of that because we have got to look at the environment for example yeah i agree and i mean it's interesting um you know, regulation is is quite often seen as quite a technical topic. You know, we've got we've got textbooks written on it, and you've got eminent professors that have, you know, lecture on it, and 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 all the rest of it. Lots of researchers um, in in the academic uh, field, and and that sort of gives you um, the false <laughs> impression that it's a science mm. and that there are right and wrong answers, that there are precise answers. Um, and, and, and of course, as an organization, we've got some incredibly brilliant people and uh, analytically uh, excellent people who are, who are by nature driven to finding the right answer, to finding that precise, you know, down to two decimal points um, answer. And so, the, you know, there's something about, yes, we need those skills. We need, you know, need people who can build amazing spreadsheets and all the rest of it. Um, but we also, we also need to develop that muscle, that, that muscle of, of inquiry, of humility, of, of saying actually sometimes how we do something is as important as the policy decision you might make or the, 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 um, the, the formal decision um, and you know you know build that's back to my my focus on building relationships or the conversation um, you know giving you know making it very clear that we're expecting companies to to find their own way through these problems or that we're open to listening to them if we are the entity standing in the way of them doing a great thing uh, for their local communities or or um, their environment, so the, it's it's bringing a much richer mix of skills to the to the fore, which it can be quite can be quite alienating if you thought you were joining a, a you know a, a purely analytical uh, technical body. Mm. And I, I and I think also because w whenever you've got collaboration. Uh, the systems theory shows that between five and 19% of people will never, never come to group consensus. So whenever you've got collaboration, you, you're, it's one of the challenges of democracy, of course, because yeah. uh, nobody, you, you never get everybody agreeing on every single point all of the time. And, and so if you're to have collaboration, you need that, that ability to just say, okay, here's my view and I'm willing to go with the majority that is yeah. not my view. And that sometimes yeah. that we need to have the ability to, to be able to do that and know that it's in service of a bigger picture. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. Interesting challenges there. Yeah, and I think, I think as well for, 
people who are not used to working in that way. Um, actually, there's a, a real um, learning curve and confidence to be built in, uh, you know, I'm going into this meeting not to agree with, a, you know, what the answer is down to two decimal points, but to be able to engage within others um, and to, to think about where the appropriate, where, where is the appropriate landing point. Um, so th those are those are new skills and um, you know quite quite a lot for all of us actually to learn here. Yeah, because I think historically we've gone into meetings with here's my opinion, I know this to be true, in the hope that people adopt that. Whereas actually now in a collaborative environment, we're coming in with a here's my opinion based on my information, and everybody else brings in theirs, and then jointly you make a decision based on all of the voices that have been heard. And, and actually what we need to do is encourage all of the voices to be heard um, yeah. so that you can yeah. make those decisions. But as you say, it's, it's shifting from a, from a binary answer to, to a much more ambiguous answer. And it needs, it needs a very different skill set, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's also very exciting because it's, you know, it's multidimensional problem solving, um, you know, which, um, you know, if, if 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 you like problem solving, what can be what can be better than solving a problem? It's how, you know, it's, it's it's having this multi-dimensional approach, and as you say, having the richness of the perspectives and and the interests of others um, in, in the room as well. Rachel, it's been fantastic to talk to you today. Thank you so much for your time. It's a real pleasure, Jude. Thank you for your interest. The subtlety of collaboration requires an ability to have humility, vulnerability and to relinquish control. In talking to Rachel, I'm struck by the delicate balance of problem solving in an emotionally intelligent way, using the data and science to inform and guide. Our world is no longer binary, so we need to be able to work in a more systemic and distributed way so that everyone becomes part of the solution. It requires a quality of conversation that needs to be elevated. And I think this applies to any business and any industry. How can you collaborate more with others outside of your team or organisation? I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Please share it with someone else so we can collectively inspire each other to rethink leadership in the world. If you'd like more information on leading teams through fast-paced change, you can download a report from www.jude.team. That's it for this week. I was your host, Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature. Until next week, keep leading and I'll be back soon with another interview on Rethinking Leadership. <laughs>